James Bond. James Bond. Hello, once again, everybody. Uh, finally back on the mics for another uh, special edition of the Bondzilla podcast. I am Nick. I'm Will. And uh, yeah, we if you've been following us, you know that September's kind of been a little little while behind the scenes at least you know we haven't given all the details but you know things have been happening uh so we decided we were gonna get on the mics for a general update talking shooting the shit you know all that sort of fun stuff like you know we 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 found that some of you like to hear our voices on a regular basis uh so we've decided we to give this a shot yeah the uh the biggest thing is did i say i'm will did I say that one already? You did. Yes. Okay. All right. So I'm a little I'm I'm a little preoccupied. Uh we are uh doing a little bit something different uh this time. Uh we are recording uh from remotely from each other. Uh so just giving that little heads up um that uh you know this will be our first episode recording that way. So uh forgive any um egregious audio quality uh um snafus along the way yeah this is our first time doing it um obviously if it's a travesty you probably won't hear it but if it's fine which it probably will be uh then you'll hear it and you just have to uh forgive any hiccups so Mm -hmm. you're everybody's witnessing history right now yeah we we felt it would be listening to to history to give this a shot as opposed to just jiving into uh like the next yeah the next movie which would not be great and then and then making it the you know possibly the lost episode yeah uh, i feel like i feel like this is this is this is like real where this is this is real podcasting right here like i'm looking people can't see this is podcast right yeah like this is um like people can't see it but like i'm looking at nick and we're on zoom we got two different we got you know we got our screens up here yeah he has the fancy background and then oh yeah then i got i got well you know i i I can't you know i don't want people to see my business and Mm -hmm. you know you know how it is right you're uh you're a sweatshop behind you yeah That would be the reveal. Yeah, why that's like that. Why you're zooming is that? Yeah, like it's like oh, by the way, uh, had to child's... had to pick up uh, some extracurriculars during uh, during during the pandemic. I love how this is one of those things where it only took six months for us to join the whole what everybody else initially had to do for podcasting. Yeah. We did it in reverse. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, like everybody else is like the world is kind of slightly opening up in some way, and everybody else is finally like getting back together. Right. Meanwhile, we've we've separated. We're reversing. Apart. Yeah, like yeah. it's like everybody. You know, it's funny because when I looked up like all the tutorials of like the tips and tricks of people doing their, like how you know how do they do remote? Po- I mean, because obviously, like a lot of the podcasts I listen to, that's how they do it. Yeah. Um, so it, it wasn't, yeah, especially during now. Yeah. Yeah. Well now, but like, I knew it was a thing because before this, a lot of people did that, but now everybody like was kind of forced to do it. So when I was looking up the tips and tricks, it was kind of all the time stamps or the dates that the videos came out were like April of this year. So yeah. it was funny. Like, and, and, and these were people who clearly were doing other stuff, but they were like 
Like, oh, let me get a few of those YouTube clicks mm-hmm. by saying, like, oh, this is how you do this um this uh podcasting over over Zoom. So. Yeah, all my other regular podcasts went to went to Zoom mm-hmm. uh stuff. So uh so yeah, this is a, a new experience and hopefully it's the same always awesome yeah Bonzilla experience for you listeners out there. Mm-hmm. And so. our, our chemistry will be as tight and as high on the pH level as ever, <laughs> I'm sure. You remember learning about that in school? Yes. PH levels. And that I was mean, like, that was like baby's first science project. Like, go down to the lake near wherever, <laughs> go to your nearest body of water and look up pH levels. Right. I had a lake that, near, or uh, sorry, a, a creek near where I live. So that was that, like what I did. Yeah. Chemistry was also, I mean, it was always my least favorite science because it had a lot of math and I hated math. Yeah. I, I was just, I was an anti mather. I was good at Punnett squares. <laughs> yeah. And I then know, when you're a, a kid and you're doing Punnett squares, you feel like you know you've cracked the human genome. And then, yeah. then you learn, like, oh, that's literally like the bare basics of <laughs> learning about genetics. Yeah. I was, Not, I was always more of a geology guy. That was my science. You're the rocks. Yeah. Well, I did like the rock. Yeah. I think well, it there you go. That's where it came from. Into rocks. There's no. There are no rock-based kaiju. There's like one, like in one of the video games, like Obsidious or something like that, where he's like. I mean, we have a lot of kaiju that explode out of rocks. Yeah, like King Caesar comes out of like rocks. Right, he explodes out kind of the mountain. Rodan Rodan is kind of the closest, though, especially in 2019, where it was like, um, that movie came out in 2019, right? Because I'm yes. just starting to lose track about what movies no, I, came out I, when. Yeah. I was driving. Yeah. I was driving um, around the city yesterday and or uh, today, and I was like, "Oh yeah, there was a Quiet Place too." That was. Well, I mean, it didn't come out. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like that was like a movie that it was is like out right. there. Oh somewhere. yeah, like the, just all the movies from like this year. Yeah. It it, it is funny because I I've gone back to some of like. Like there's a a hockey channel mm-hmm. that I watch, Bar Down, great guys. Don't none of them probably listen to this, but they're all great guys. Right. And I like was going back and like rebinging some old of old episodes, and like some of them happened in like January and February of like this year, mm-hmm. or like they had the things where like they released it in April, but obviously it was like recorded at like the beginning of March or something. It was like that just seems like such a an, again an age ago, right? Uh, such a long time ago, and it, it's a double for movies because. You know, our 2020 has just been filled with movies moving all over the place, moving to different platforms, yeah. and moving once or twice or three times. So it's just kind of hard to kind of keep track. I mean, and it was also like a, a, a summer of all the streaming services, like really, I mean, Disney Plus has gone deep down. We've got, we've got uh, HBO Max and Peacock and all this shit, you know? Mm-hmm. you know. Apple TV has kind of gotten big. You know, Queeby had a spell. <laughs> You know, yeah, that was that was a thing that that was a thing. I actually I, I just saw we had talked about it briefly off mic. I, I just saw Onward recently. Yeah. Which I finally like just got the chance to sit down and watch it. And that was like one of those where did you see it? Yes, I saw it like when it first came out. What you think of it? We, did, we haven't it. talked about it. I, I liked it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's like the top of my top picks are. Mm hmm. Um, I think that 
I probably should watch it again because mm-hmm. I saw it like right when it came on Disney Plus, and I feel like it was all kind of the first stuff of quarantine and and stuff happening, and this was kind of a big deal mentally. Like, you're like, like mentally probably in a different like, place. Yeah, yeah, I, I probably would have a different perspective. Yeah, now. yeah, I, I I liked it quite a bit. I liked it a yeah. lot. I um, I think the performances are especially great. It, it's one of those movies where. This is the episode you're get, you guys are going to get today, folks. Don't worry, we'll get, we'll get to actual yeah. Godzilla well, stuff. I, I think, but this is what you're going to get. The, I think um, the people kind of want this. Sometimes, yeah, this is what know? this is slightly what the podcast has turned into, which I don't mind at all. Yeah. Um. But uh, and actually, I I do have one of my famous segues into a Bond related thing that'll come up yeah. soon. But um, yeah, it's one of those movies where I was watching it and. At this point, like Chris Pratt doing a character like that should bother you, I feel. But then you watch it and you're like, nobody else could have been this. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's like, like he's great. Was, Pratt, it's it's a Pratt role. Like Pratt was built to be that character. Yeah, you know? and it, it it was, and I I thought that it was like the most like it reminded me of like Monsters Inc. style Pixar, like in terms yeah. of like like oh like you know it, like the high concept of it mm-hmm. is actually like pretty clever yeah and the, they follow through is... on it yeah because mm-hmm. remember like and you know i i know my my thing is like i actually like I, I i enjoy um good dinosaur more so than anyone on the planet but yes it That's is one, one of your four movies. That yeah, you it's like one of my than... four. Well, yeah, that I, I, even more so. I'm like, I'm like the one guy in the Twilight Zone episode where he's like the only one left on the planet, and then he's like, now I can watch Good Dinosaur Good. alone and enjoy it more. No, but it is one of those things where even I would acknowledge, like, it, it, it's one of those movies that it had a high concept because, like, in a long time, I guess. Well, I guess there was Inside Out, but it, it, there's something about like the high concept of like, oh, it's like. You know, it's like dinosaurs, but like they never went extinct. And, you know, and even I acknowledge like the premise is there, but they don't really use it. And Onward actually kind of reminded me of like, oh, like this is the premise. And it's actually quite cleverly used. Yeah. Like in terms of like, oh, like the, you know, the whole, for those of you who don't know, the whole premise is like, the like the Dungeons and Dragons type of reality and medieval lore actually it was is a thing and then that just evolved into like a modern day version of it so it's like elves and goblins but they all have like iPhones and like uh, and so therefore like magic and the whole Dungeons and Dragons lore is like ancient history to them yeah um, well I think I think that's a testament too to the director Dan Scanlon. Mm-hmm. Um, who had previously directed Monsters University, you know, the Monsters uh, Inc. sequel. And I think that, especially with Monsters U, like, I, I'm a kind of a defender of that movie. Oh, no, that's that. I, I like that movie a lot, too. I, I think uh, we And both I think are, a strength yeah. of it, and I think a strength of Onward, too, is just the, I think it's an effective use of attention to detail to the world. Mm-hmm. I think Monsters Inc., like, yeah, Mon- like Monsters U, for example, does some of that stuff where it's like in CG animation, where it's like, I feel like some of the, the the staging details and the set details kind of get lost in like the bigness of the CG. Mm-hmm. But I think that Scanlan was really good in Monsters U of kind of translating the monsters world to that kind of college campus feel. Right. And I feel like that Onward does the same thing where he takes kind of the general Dungeons and Dragons like monsters and lore 
and kind of uses that creatively in the details of the world. Right. I think that that's a big strength of, of kind of en- the enjoyment of Onward. Well, and, and there's also like this thing where it, it's like, and, and then it gives the characters a certain leg up, like the fact that like, you know, uh, what's his name? Chris Pratt's character as a whole Dungeons yeah. and Dragons nerd actually gives him like a leg up and like, oh, that like it's actual history. So like, mm-hmm. and it so it exists. Like I thought like all that stuff was really clever, and I I I ended up enjoying it quite a bit. And and I think that was the thing. It just reminded me of like I liked like Coco and you know yeah. and um uh what's a what's another recent one. Uh, like I, I enjoyed Inside Out, um, but this this one kind of reminded me of like, you know, when they were doing like the, you know, like they kind of did that thing where it's like you remember when Pixar said like they did like all their pitches of like this, but what if this? So it's yeah. like what if like the monsters in the closets was a business, and what if yeah. like your toys were like so I so this one kind of reminded me of that era of like. What if it was Dungeons and Dragons, but it like evolved into the modern day? Like, so I I, I like that. I, I I thought that they really delivered on it. Yeah, and I I think it's still like again they have because we've we've also been in kind of you know since obviously we have the Cocos and it's kind of intermixed with like the Incredibles twos and the Toy Story fours and stuff like that. And I yeah. do think that that onward is just a kind of again it's just kind of more in that inside out out realm of just kind of coming up yeah. with creative kind of kind of concept yeah i i I think i i mean honestly like and i like coco but i think this was out of the more recent ones i i I think i enjoyed this one the most uh personally but the the reason i was gonna another reason i was gonna bring it up because it was that this was like the week or two that everything shut down that this movie came out because as i was watching it i was like I actually don't know who saw this and I don't really know other than like I do I knew the general vibe of it was people liked it like people who saw yeah. it like oh that was good um right. but man it was just one of those things where like you know I mean it's Pixar and Disney so I'm not going to you know cry about it too much but they were like I was like man th- this one really got hit with that like you know it wasn't able to kind of like get a following like, right. it, like it had like three two or three weeks in theaters like it if had, that like, did it like yeah, it varied because like well because it was at the beginning of march i believe or right. the end, like right at the beginning of march and then obviously mulan was the one that was about to come out at the end of march right right um now that's of course on disney plus as right. well uh but yeah it was just basically like they did get their like opening weekend and like their first two box office weekends back when people you know were going to theaters regularly as normal um but you know and i think that disney still put their support behind it of course oh no they did i i I I thought it was smart that they put it out like and then soon afterwards uh yeah but you know it's hard because it was like that was like during that month and nobody's thinking about (laughs) pixar's onward (laughs) that's the thing like so it's a it's a it's a little bit different but speaking about the whole movies thing is obviously we have to um dive into our favorite non-favorite segment of what's going on what's the deal with movies and movie theaters <laughs> well at least we have we have had since we've last been on mic we've had right. some sort of like actual actualization of like the situation even though it's still kind of confusing in right. some sense well i uh, actually i have a surprise uh i have a surprise guest um it's a very sad christopher nolan is going to be joining us on the uh on the on on the chat today <laughs> 
And everybody, please, like, uh, you know, if you could uh, dive into his Patreon and and, uh, and maybe his uh, his stream, uh, give him a super chat or two. I think he I think he needs it right now, dude. <laughs> Bringing out the YouTube super chats. I that that is one of the things I, I just re- I really want to know what was going on with that movie and like this whole journey for it coming out. Like, I mean, it had to be seen on a big screen, but it's That's so bizarre, answer. but it's like, so it came out like, so the reason I bring this up is like, so it, it, it had its theatrical run, which right. I'm actually not really clear about what, what is the deal with theaters right now? Like, I know like the whole controversy, well, controversy to some people is like that it's that theaters are open other places. We're yeah. here in LA uh, we're we're here in California, and it's like theaters are open some places, but n- yeah. not other places. So I don't know right. if that's like if there's a scattershot thing in other states. Do you know about that? Or I mean, it's state by state. I mean, the right. thing is, is that you know a lot of it's dependent on like counties individually or the state, you know, doing stuff. It's basically mm-hmm. like you know who can open and who wants to open. Right. You know, right. there's nothing. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like. At, at, at its core, um, like an AMC, it's like they have to make an individual decision on each theater based on. Sure. The, yeah. You know, no, I it's get like, it. It's, it's, and that's going to be the complications. It's like part of it's going to be what are the state guidelines? What are the city guidelines? What are the county guidelines? The other part of it's like, is this a specific theater that we need to spend money on opening or are we consolidating it to, you know, just like the kind of couple AMCs? Because that's the thing about theaters is, you know, there's a point where it's like when we like go to movies, it's like, you know, we have like five AMCs we can go to like right. within our immediate area. And, you know, business wise, like, does it make sense? Like, you know, we, we have this one AMC that like has the big AMC, but then there's like two smaller AMCs, like one in the mall and one like under the mall. And do they need to open all three of those, you know, that sort of thing. And I think it's kind of even that between like kind of areas where it's like, you know, certain centralized areas will probably be where they can still make business are probably the priority. Right. Right. Well, regardless, uh, I, I guess like the, the, the briefest version of the news is that tenant did not, um, bring out the crowd. No, as much as they thought. Well, yeah. And it's, it's, or did they, I don't know. Like, did what did they well, think it was going to like, like, it seems so weird because, you know, I, the joke is that, this is the movie that was going to get everybody to come out. But I also don't even hear from the public that, I mean, I, listen, I think people who want to go see movies are going to go see movies. Uh, I, I think that's, you know, we had talked about that. Obviously like people are just going to want to do that because they want to go out and do something. But I also yeah. don't really even sense this groundswell of like theaters are back open, everybody. It's the grand opening of movie theaters again. I, I don't even get that vibe from it and clearly it's a combination between the scattershot opening of theaters and clearly people just didn't go either (laughs) that's the other thing i i would think that there's a couple of things to this tenant as the first one you know yeah it's kind of an interesting choice the the sort of quote-unquote it's not really a conspiracy theory but there is a sense of like, there could be an element of Warner Brothers sending this out to, you know, see like what the actual instant demand of just the novelty of theaters being opened is. Because on the one hand, 
you would think that like if you really want to make a splash of like oh your movie that people want to see in theaters like you'd really think it would have to be something more like a wonder woman or a black widow like something with a name but at the same time like warner brothers doesn't want to waste a a, a wonder woman opening mm-hmm. as the first post pandemic opening because they don't they want sure. to see no, what I, the yeah, waters what the waters actually what the waters actually are but like yeah by all accounts tenant did not hit any yeah. real good box office numbers well also um, the the other thing about it though too it's it's not like the reception has been like raving either right. i mean i yeah. think it's safe to say it was lukewarm yeah i mean it was it, definitely kind of the feeling of like nolan being like too nolan in yeah. many respects yeah i mean it, it started off as like mixed and then it, it, it turned like it, it's just i haven't like i haven't seen it so um it's just one of those things where i actually haven't the vibe of it just generally seems like no, like this isn't the movie yeah. to rush this out. This isn't the movie to, to, this see. Isn't the movie to go see. Yeah. So I mean, so after that, it it, it d- definitely does seem that there are certain movies that you know are kind of keeping its date, but there was way more of a shuffle of things, yeah, or like Wonder a Woman. either a shuffle or like a this isn't coming out for a while, like or yeah. until we like so well. Yeah, in the aftermath of of Tenet, it was like Wonder Woman moved to December, Black Widow moved mm-hmm. um, to like February, right? Like next year, like it moved out of twenty twenty. Um, yeah, and then like there's like there's like rumors that Disney's trying to decide what to do about Soul, the next Pixar film, uh, as well. Oh right, like, yeah, because there were rumors that that may be a Netflix drop, or sorry, a Disney Plus Disney. drop as well. Yeah. Well, because it's like it's still scheduled to make its like premiere at like the Rome Film Festival next month, so it's still scheduled to have a 2020 premiere. But there's still like rumors, like nothing's been confirmed. Um, it's really like honestly, like the true film that's held its date of like these big tentpole releases is No Time to Die. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one that uh, right and now. and New Mutants. Don't forget, <laughs> New yeah, Mutants was... kept its date. That's a whole other story. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, that's a that's a, that's a film where there's like we just like at some point this movie has to come Which, out. Which by the way, still I'd advocate that as a drive-in watch. That's a that's a decent drive-in movie, I thought. You know what, Will? I think if there's one thing to truly blame 2020 on, it's the combination of like New Mutants and No Time to Die as two very cursed movies that just have to come out. Yeah. Like that's what it feels like. That's it feels true. like like it feels like like the universe has tried to prevent both of those movies from happening for such a long time. Yeah, and I, yeah, I agree. You know, but I, but like, but to their credit, since... like it's almost like listen, we're gonna come out. Like I, I yeah. almost respect that. It, it's just like listen, like what are we gonna do? Like, is it really worth our sanity to wait more time? Like it's just it, it's just gonna come out at this point. Yeah. Like. Yeah, screw it. But I mean, it's like it felt like the the gods were like seeing like Daniel Craig saying he would rather slit his wrist than return to Bond, and then them still casting him in the next Bond movie, and they're like, nope, this is not happening. Yeah, and they're trying his best to prevent it. Yeah, but but as but truly as of right now, uh, we we had like another trailer drop for No Time to Die, and the ads mm-hmm. still kind of are circling around November, and we're kind of approaching basically like two months from that date. So we're we still have like we still have as we've seen 
things can change in an instant. So we have plenty of time for that date to move again or for them to do like a limited theater release and some sort of streaming thing. Like there's, there's plenty of options they have. We'll see what happens with it. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 you know, it, it, it's strange. It, it is funny because, you know, we talk about stuff like No Time to Die, obviously, is staying. And then it's like, man, like, look at, like, Kong or Godzilla versus Kong just, like, getting out of being one of the first to jump ship of 2020. <laughs> like, they're just like, I mean, nope. <laughs> like, let's just get out of this they, this year. They were the, I think they made the smart move. I mean, yeah. I think they just, they had no... I think it was also one of those things where it had already moved, mm-hmm. you know, before the pandemic. Um, so I think they had the clearest shot of just moving out, right. you know, like, yeah, I think it, like all, cause I think that's like the complication with like all the other films. It's like, you know, all these films were supposed to be out already. Now um, I, I don't, I don't follow the Disney plus thing as much as you yeah. do. So like, what's like the vibe on w- like what Mulan is doing? Cause my general understanding of the vibe is like, Obviously, none of these. I, I don't think any of these uh, release methods have been like a slam dunk. But I've heard right. that like the tenant one is like you know a little bit disappointing. Uh, it actually may cause more trouble for theaters whether it didn't open. Which I mean, the other thing I would say about that too is like you know AMC wanted to stay open like a month into the pandemic, so it's yeah. like like don't like don't cry for them too much. I would say, but you know. Um, or like you know, give them some accountability. Um, but I also heard that the Mulan thing is like, oh, but like that actually may have been a little bit more favorable to them. Now it it also kind of came hand in hand with that its international numbers were pretty were not great either. Um, yeah. It, so like, what what what's like the what, what's the what's the word on it's that? It's hard, like because again, like with most streaming services, you don't really get a sense of like you know, unless it's a big, really big success, like Disney's not gonna tout like the numbers right away Mm -hmm. i think the other thing is to be quite honest you know in terms of my circles like obviously a lot of people did watch mulan that opening weekend but in my circles as soon as that first you know right before it dropped they were like oh it'll be available for everybody on december 4th and everybody was like well i'll just wait three months to see it yeah but how many people know that though there's like your average person who's well, going to be I like think that's always going to be the complication. Yeah, is because the circles that I run in are like the hardcore Disney fandom. Oh, and, and they were like, but they follow it though. Is kind of my exactly. Point. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay, that's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't have a sense of what a general populace is doing with Mulan. It seems like there was still lots of buzz for that first week. Yeah, you know, but I think that it was one of those things where with especially with that premium it really does it's like anybody who's going to see it is probably going to see it within that first mm-hmm. week because it's like you know it's right on you know right beginning of september right on the home page and everything like that yeah so if it's available i think that you know a lot of that buzz kind of like that first weekend was like okay here we go and then i really haven't heard much yeah it's since. also probably like a weird thing too where it's like you're like you know your moms and dads and the kids like you right. know they see mulan and then they just like has that is that like been on here? I don't know. I I just always kind of assumed that like yeah. the whole lead up in the marketing, because it like it, when it was coming out in theaters, it actually had a really strong, I thought like marketing and the trailers and it was one of the movies where because this is during the time when I think like you know people were really like audiences were you know at least when we went to theaters you could sense that there was more of a lukewarm reception to like a Disney remake. And and this was the one where the trailer came out and, and 
the audience always seemed favorable towards yeah. it. So yeah, there was, and there then was you know, excitement. then then the pandemic happened, and you know, I don't know. I feel like nobody's really has a grasp on how to like market. No, like these. I also kind of think a little bit of like who's worried about what movies are coming out. No, right I now. think so. I think agree. I think the thing is, is like because again, it's like Disney's not going to release like a box office number. They're not going to say like sure. this many people bought Mulan. I think the 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 only way we're going to see if Mulan in that model was successful is if they do it with another movie. Right. And and thirty dollars is a lot too. It is like especially, especially when everyone else is doing twenty. Yeah. Like. I think I think that's going to be the key. I think it's going to be seeing like what they end up if like if they put Soul on Disney Plus and mm-hmm. if it's going to be like less money, you know that sort of thing. Yeah. Or well, if it's going to be the, the same amount because they made money. Like it, it could be either way. I think I think it's really hard to grasp that specifically too, um, in the sense because it's it's not like it's very different than like oh it's just available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like it's on a service that you're paying for already. And I think that there's like again, there's like a level of like we won't really know what like a general populace is or like what the wider reach of it was in the general United States and North American areas. But I do feel that there is kind of like it's it's just another step. Whereas opposed to like anybody can go on Amazon and rent a movie even if you don't have Prime. Well, also you know, the marketing is also another big thing too because even Netflix like constantly has that criticism about how well do they market what's new on their thing Mm -hmm. i mean so it's like you know because how do you market like so let's say soul comes out like how do you market soul like you know you're not you you don't have movies coming out with they kind of have trailers in front of them what's the foot traffic for people seeing like ads i mean i i people are you know putting ads out for streaming movies now they're out there but I, i just wonder how effective all that stuff is yeah i mean i think the thing is is like especially like i mean like I said, like we can't forget too that in some sense it's it's like on the one hand, it's like or do people you know just know that it's coming? On the other hand, part of it is it's just like you know Disney Plus has been just a huge success, for example. Sure. You know, it's hit their five year goal in less than a year. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense of just like, you know, prominently displayed on the home page and it has all the information, you know. Like this is like yeah, extra thirty bucks or whatever it is. So that might be for that specific service. That might be you know, in of itself, especially the way that the Disney Plus homepage, at least on you know, like on my Fire Stick or whatever, right. is like set up. It's very prominently displayed. Where I do feel like no, if I go that- on Di- if I go on Disney Plus on my TV, like the first thing that shows up all the time is Mulan is a premium movie I mean, like, like the thing is is like the first three things there's like the new the, the banner with like all the really new stuff and then like a, a new to disney plus i feel like that's something that like even even though i don't use netflix that much i feel like netflix it's like much harder yeah they don't do a good get, job they don't do a good job the, at it. the netflix ui things can get buried very quickly whereas yeah. i feel like at least with disney plus um disney's done a good job of showing you like what the newest thing whether it's one of their originals or like a Mulan thing. Right. You know. Yeah, I mean, the last thing I'll say about the marketing thing though, uh, on a positive note that I think that could actually war- like I think they're figuring it out is like this past weekend we just had well we had a couple of different trailers for some of their high profile shows. But uh this w- past right. weekend we just got the trailer for WandaVision, Mar- the yeah, that, that dropped Marvel during the show. 80s. 
Yeah, which um, just sidebar looks incredible. I oh, think. Absolutely. I I, uh, I can't. Looks like it might be rumored for like a Thanksgiving release. Yeah, I, isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Like that may be the first uh, Marvel Disney Plus show after. It, like it just it the, wasn't the supposed first... to be. No, what? That's what I mean. Like it because it, it, they couldn't finish filming uh, Falcon. Because Falcon and Winter, and Winter Soldier seems like okay. That's like more of the stream, right. like the main line, like. Kind of right, like safer bet. That was scheduled for August when they, when yeah. they made their announcements. That was like one of the ones they said like coming this August. And um, then they just they couldn't finish filming it. But the reason I brought that up is like because when that trailer came out, and obviously we had the Mandalorian trailer, but that was more of like we've already had season one, and this trailer was just like it's more of season one, which I'm I'm there for. Like I'll yeah. I'll watch it. But like this trailer was like you know we didn't really hadn't seen anything of it, and this was the first time where it kind of came out and I was like oh like this is like the same vibe I I get from like when I watch like any of the other upcoming Marvel trailer you know what I mean like th- yeah. this felt like oh like they're marketing that like it's not a movie it's a show but it, it's hard because it's like like for instance I, like if you compare that to when we saw an ad for Inhumans <laughs> is what I yeah. mean <laughs> where it's like clearly like you know, an ABC show, no disrespect Nobody. to a- ABC shows, but, you know, the production value of, like, a on, like a TV show yeah. with the, with superpowers. Mm-hmm. And whereas you look at, like, WandaVision, where, you know, you can still sense some of the TV budget, but, like, even the trailer just felt like, you know, it felt like they were, like, really pushing it. They were marketing it and treated it like this is part of the Marvel universe. And, you know, yeah. I... I, I Start talking because I'll I'll get on how much I miss Paul Bettany as Vision well, I, I and mean, I'll get on that track. Yeah, from a from a marketing standpoint, I think that the key is is like you know, WandaVision was set to be a Disney Plus original, and mm-hmm. I feel like the struggle is just because you have stuff that wasn't meant to be on the service that you couldn't hype up in some sense or form for you know because WandaVision, you know, like you know again we don't know what the wider thing is, but you know. Obviously, they had that big Disney Plus presentation at last year's D23 Expo. Right. Or like the WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier and all the all the Marvel shows like She-Hulk and Moon Knight and all this stuff was like, you know, announced. And you kind of have like a hype of like a year where it's like any of the advertising you can say like, oh, coming soon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially after the Mandalorian success last year, I think they were really anchoring themselves on those original series, which I think, you, you know, bring got to bring people in. Yeah. Whereas I think when you have like a Mulan or even a soul, I think there's just this awkwardness of just like, we're kind of dropping this on the service like last minute. Right, you know right. I mean? Well, you can kind of tell they have like a marketing plan for the shows more so than they do for the movies. Right. Well, because even like if we go back to Onward, or even Frozen 2, which, mm-hmm. like, you know, dropped early on Disney+. Plus. Part of that was, like, like the marketing in itself was, like, oh, like, look how cool Disney's being. Like, they're they're adding these movies for, like, you know, families who are just under quarantine. Like, it was at the beginning, so mm-hmm. it's, like, oh, they're doing this thing. Right. Now we are, like, again, what, six months or so yeah. into this, and we're still kind of struggling with this answer. Right. You know, and, and it's not just as a movie-going public, but as, as a country. Yeah. There's still, like, a big struggle around this. So it's now how do you market, okay, we're bringing Mulan and Soul and, yeah. you know, whatever other movies you're bringing to the service. Yeah, it's weird because I, I, I think the shows will do gangbusters. Oh, like, yeah, I think people again, hop like onto those like like nothing. Like I think but because, be- again, I think that was set up for mm-hmm. the service. Like, right. that's 
a reason you sign up. That's a reason that they've been planting that you sign up for months. Yeah. It's like we are getting original MCU content. We are getting original Star Wars content. Yeah. You know? And it's also like, hard you- when it's like let's it's gonna be harder once Mandalorian season two and WandaVision come out and you have two free bingeable shows that yeah. look of pretty decent production value and are at least the same experience of if you were gonna watch the movies. And then you're going to be like, oh, and also pay for right. soul. You know what I mean? I mean, it's fair. Yeah. I, I, I think that that's probably how they should do it. But I can get where, as a consumer, you'd be like, uh, no, I'm just going to watch you know, like eight, like eight right. hours of The Mandalorian. Especially, honestly, especially because there is like so much content out there. Mm-hmm. And even just within Disney Plus, like I know like I'm a stickler for like, you know, all the old stuff that they add. But there's still like so much of just like watching like anything from Disney history on there. Like, I think that that's, you know, it's just like, are you, are, are people jumping to, and I, I, I do think it's like, we, here's the thing. We also talk about, you know, we've talked a lot about like the general theater experience and, you know, all this stuff about like, you know, whether that's going to change out of the output, you know, out, out of the, out of the future. But I do think there's a sense of just like, you know, I think there's stuff that's built for the streaming service. And when you build it for the streaming service, that's kind of like helps out. Right. Whereas I think like, like a Mulan, just there's, it is an awkwardness of it being like on Disney plus like right away. Like, mm-hmm. or that's the first time you're seeing it. Like, I don't think for everybody, but I think there is kind of like a difference. It's just like, it was built to be this kind of like big experience. Whereas you compare it to like, you know, Lady and the Tramp, which was, you know, the, the first remake on the service, which is definitely built to be, like, a streaming service thing. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, um, I mean, I think that that's not, like, the full answer, and I think there's so no, many it's, nuances. it's good, though. But I think, there's, I think there's an element of that, where it's a stuff like, you know, the shows are getting definitely high quality, but there's almost a sense of, like, they are the high quality that you would see on, like, you know, that was set by, like, the Walking Deads of the world and, and the Mad Men. So it was just like, okay, and the Breaking Bads, where it's like, okay, this is, like, looking good-looking shit on TV, mm-hmm. the True Detectives. And I think that stuff like WandaVision and um, Mandalorian are kind of that pull out from that, whereas I feel like there is certain a difference in streaming service original films, too. Yeah, agreed. Um, speaking of trailers, um, I did like, though, uh, we got a new Bond trailer. We did, yeah. I like this one way more yes. than anything I've seen thus far. One hundred percent. Like this 100%. was the first. This this was the first trailer that like got me excited to see the movie. Like I, mm-hmm. it, it was, it, it was. Um, well, actually, here, here, I want to try something out. Um, I am going to see if I can play it. Um, so you'll be able to see it. Uh, let's see. You see that? Uh, hold on. It's like loading. Oh, yes, I can see yeah. it. Yeah. All right. I'm I gonna got, see if I, I got can. the screen share. I'm gonna see if I can play it. Okay. Dirty Daniel Craig. Yeah. So immediately starting with the Bond theme, I think, is like a good choice. Yeah. I think too many times you leave it for the end of the trailer. Like putting it in the beginning, it gives you that feeling. His name is Zephyr. And what does he want? 
we get to see more of Rami Malik, which I feel like they've been hiding, but now not have been hiding, which I have thoughts on. Candidate Armas. When you're ready. Salute. Yeah. A knives out reunion if there ever was one. <laughs> and of course Lashana Lynch looking fine in that white suit. <laughs> there's there's definitely just a more fun vibe yeah. to this trailer, just overall. Like there's just like a sense of like it's gonna be a fun, like action movie. More so than like you, kind you know of the what, more that, dour. That, that is like kind of the thing about it. It's very action movie. I don't know. It just like it's selling a Bond movie to me. It, it's selling a Bond movie. It's not selling Craig Bond. It's selling a Bond movie. Yes, it, and you can kind of see like especially just the stunts and and like it, it. It just feels bigger. And the stunts like look cool and. Right, it, it kind of, it really does like these stunts as they see them like kind of hard. There's like a weird super like, jet. What was that? Like, the old, like it does kind of, it feels more in line with kind of an older school bond. It's just in the senses of like the stunts and, and some of the visual flares that they've shown. I obviously I can't speak for like the movie itself, like in terms of the tone, but there is definitely like a, an energy here that as you've listened to the podcast, that the other Craigs like feel like they lack in some respects. Yeah. Which I feel like they tried to do Inspector, but again, just it was kind of bogged down by like the nature of, of the story they were trying to tell Inspector. It's got all these crazy gadgets too, like that Swiss Army jet. Yeah. And the. Yeah, it just looks crazy. Yeah. It just looks fun. Yeah. It, it, it's not like this weird kind of like super serious, like dour, like, oh, that's not. We're going to watch Goldfinger. We're going to watch a Goldfinger clip. Um, yeah, it's not like this weird, like, I don't know. I can't really place my finger on what it is that bothers me about like the way it was being sold maybe it was just kind of like it just felt like it was like and i don't know maybe i maybe i'm hyping myself up a little bit too much but the in a weird way the last trailer was just selling an extension of the last two movies and yeah, like well, this I, one is just like listen this is going to be a fun bond adventure with some of the stuff that you like i mean even the fact that they're like selling like a bond villain like an actual Bond yeah. villain, not just like some guy who's doing bad things. Like, and you know, I, and I liked Javier Bardem in the last one, but like, you know, you got Rami Malik and he's got like a weird face and a weird mask and he's got a weird like house. L looks cool. Well, remember, Javier Bardem was two movies ago. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah. Well, how could you forget, Will? I mean, it was him. That's it's pretty easy. It was him, James. It was, it was him. It was him, James. Now, all right, I want to move on real quick since you were talking about the villain. Yes. <laughs> did, did you did you see the 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 villain specific trailer they put out? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, the uh, what what's his name? Uh, like, oh man, here, let me look it up it's real like, quick. I want to say like Stefan or something. Uh, it's like something like yeah, that. Yeah, hold on. Um, like that. Yeah, they've actually given him a name now as well, um, which it, is kind of. Been it was interesting that there was just a trailer introducing him. Like yes. you know what I mean? So, like I, I yeah, thought they were, I thought it was going to come out with like new uh, like character trailers but it was just like here's your villain um where where is he Safin. yeah Safin. there yeah. it is mm -hmm. put a t in there yeah so that big dr no trailer. vibes 
from Saffin. Big, yes, one hundred percent. Big Doctor No vibes. And I, I just gotta say, with that, with that, with that Saffin specific trailer, there definitely is like, there's a vibe that it's going to be a biological weapon of yes. some sort. Yes. Yeah. well you know it's weird because it's like there's a little bit of like you know these movies they never are uh, the trailers are never going to say what the bad guy's doing like that's just the trend now so Mm -hmm. it's not unheard of that they don't say anything but it's really like when you read between the lines of like you know that he's like oh i'm going to you know cleanse the world or make the world a better place like you know he just has lines like that i can actually i can probably pull that up too yeah well Uh, here go ahead go ahead uh, he says, like, yeah, he says, like, you know, I, I, my business is, like, cleansing the world. I'm just going to make it more efficient. Mm-hmm. There's, like, a whole line where it's, like, if we don't, like, like a legitimately a line where it's, like, if we don't uh, stop him, like, hundreds of thousands or millions of people will just die. And then there's also a very interesting shot of, like, everybody, like, kind of falling and passing out and dying possibly right. around Bob. Hold on, hold on. I got it right here. All right, yeah. Rami Malek is Safin. His name is Safin. And what does he want? Revenge. What I really wanted from Safin was to make him unsettling. Thinking of himself as being heroic. I'm a man willing to kill the person he loved most. I've already lost everyone I've ever loved. Given that side eye, that villainous sense, and what he's willing to do makes him a very frightening character. Like there's people in like hazmat suits. (laughs) (laughs) We both eradicate people to make the world a better place. There's a lot. I just want to be a little tidier. And this shot of everybody kind of passing out. A formidable adversary. James Bond has to adapt to that. What is it? Okay, all right, so we got it. Um, but yeah, there's like, like, yeah, there's like another line where it's like again, he's like, like, like she's like, or he's like, 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 like literally, like millions of people will die. Yeah, yeah. Again, it just, it just feels oh, I like it, but yeah, it he feels does. like it's leading to that. You know what I will say, like with that and that trailer, like I'm glad you brought that up, where he's like millions of people will die, where it's kind of like when I really thought about it, and I know I've made this like this thing about where this was good when it started, but I'm kind of hoping for this is like. The, Craig has yet to face like an actual Bond villain who's has a worldwide like an, an Avengers level threat, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but mean, like, it's really so, so that guy. That, sorry, go ahead. Even the way that again, Quantum and Inspector were portrayed, it was always smaller scale. Like you know, Quantum of Solace is like they're going after the water in this one part of the world, right? And right. In Skyfall, it's like you think there's like this kind of big like all the spies are going to be revealed. Which again is even kind of still like smaller scale, but then it's just a, a personal revenge mission. And then in Spectre, it's like, oh, we're just going to be able to control all the worlds, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's like worldwide, gonna, it's, but it's like we're pulling the strings, man. Like everything that they've done has been a very behind the scenes mm-hmm. thing. It's been very much like we are affecting the world behind the scenes. The average person may not really know, but we are going to be in control, like behind the scenes. Where it's this one, it feels like there's going to be actual effects uh, to the world if Bond fails. Right. And I feel like, I was going back to what you mentioned earlier, I think, again, the tone of the marketing before, it really did feel like, 
all right, we're we're leading into like a, the Craig and like the the lore and everything like that. And it's just like there's there was kind of the sense of like they were trying to build it to be like the movie of like the end of the Craig films. And I think this trailer and even the the Stefan specific trailer leans into it being like, okay, no, you're going to see the fun Bond movie, which may be a a you know a post pandemic marketing strategy is like you're seeing like the fun crazy movie as opposed to seeing like you're seeing the serious like end of the saga movie Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah i think like again like you could argue that that was an issue with tenet is tenet kind of had this kind of like too seriously for its own good kind of vibe to it yeah i mean there is something to be said that you're right that a with all of those elements that a Bond movie is way more likely to get people to go and out of their way to see it. Yeah. Like especially again, if it's like if it's Bond and you play up the gadgets and you play up that there's a supervillain and you play that it's end of the world stakes, the yeah. one thing that will be super awkward. That's the thing like I I can't imagine like what is going through the heads of people if it's a biological weapon if it's like an actual like viral weapon right of some sort it right. will be like i i just don't know how you it just will be like a coincidence of all coincidences yeah maybe if it's like honest. a biological weapon that people like i don't know maybe now that we're you know the, you know the not and i'm not saying that you know we, we all should take you know the pandemic seriously but you know since it's not outbreak you know what I mean? <laughs> Since it's yeah. not like people just dropping everywhere, maybe that's what they were like. Well, it's like, well, you know, uh, originally it seemed like that could happen, but now since it's not quite that, we're more willing to uh, right. drop well, the mean, biological weapon plot line. Well, it's the one thing where it's like that's not something you can just edit out of the movie. No, like that's no, like that's the thing. Because well, it's like you know, if it's like in like an off-color joke, and it's like, oh, like okay, like we're not gonna do this off-color joke anymore. Then yeah, just delete it out of the movie. Well, unless unless like, they're we like, can't delete the villain's central plan out of a Bond movie. Well, unless they're like, all right, here, listen, we got to call up Rami, and he's got to do ADR, and he's got every time he says virus or weapon, we have to change it to nanobots, and we have like a third party who's animating cutaways to the nanobots <laughs> like, he's just animating nanobot scenes so, machines, yeah so every time like the, the the biological weapon thing happens it like cuts to the nanomachines and it's like oh it's not it's not a virus it's it's nanomachines um like when he's like doing the big plan reveal they like redo it where it's like now an animated segment where it's just like him like showcasing it like through animation so it's completely different yeah like blacklist like the season finale of Blacklist. Do you hear about that? Uh, yeah. Yes, I, yes, I remember. <laughs> the strangest thing for those of you who don't know this story. The, the PS, the PS2 graphics. They couldn't, like, because okay, I heard the story is like they couldn't finish filming Blacklist, but the but the show they were almost done. They had to finish like filming the yes. end, but they couldn't do it because of the pandemic. So what they yes. did is they made an animated version of it. So of a scene. Of a scene. So yeah. I heard about that, and then I looked it up, and I don't know if it's worse or better than what I was expecting. It looks like a PS2 motion comics cutscene, yes, put together. Well, it's it amazing. Was like again, it was like it was like the finale, and it was like they had to put it out there. You're you know? right. Like, CG again, CG and animation like that takes a long time to render if you want to look good. Now, if you don't want it to look good, <laughs> then yeah, it's just you can do the instant like. 
it's out there. I am, that's basically what they did. I am feeling this idea of like they cut away from Rami Malek as he is explaining things. Then you really get some Metal Gear Solid yeah. uh, of um, oh, yes. vibes in there where mm-hmm. it's like, let yeah. me tell you, it's like the way I do it is a little more cleaner than cut to like B-roll of like stuff. And yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Yeah. But overall, yeah. like, no, I, I actually the, these two trailers got me way more excited than I ever have been for this movie. Like, yeah. I, I would agree. I think uh, I'm still kind of, again, it's just Craig, and I, I've been kind of, you know, I, I, I like Skyfall when it came out. Like Skyfall, when it came out, obviously, we were, we we're less warm on it during the course of the podcast. Uh, but I, I'm still kind of weird because it is like the Craig era, and it's just like four films that like I kind of have, you know, mixed feelings about. Uh, so I'm still kind of kind of wary in that regard. But I, uh, I definitely did enjoy both. The, these kind of looks at the movie uh, a lot more than what we had been seeing into its actual lead-up. Yeah. Agreed. Um, is there anything else Bond-related that you wanted to talk uh, about? I, I would got, like I, to mention... I got, I got a Godzilla uh, thing that we can talk about before we wrap up, but if... Yeah. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Uh, I, I just wanted to mention we that we, we have lost uh, two Bond actors. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, month. yeah, we did, yeah. Uh, Diana Rigg, uh, who, of course, played Tracy in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and just the other day... Uh, Michael Lonsdale, who played Hugo Drax in Moonraker. Um, it, it's funny because uh, I'll start with Diana uh, real quick. It is funny because uh, Diana Rigg obviously had a very lengthy career, very notable career, uh, spanning obviously the original uh, UK Avengers series all the way to Game of Thrones. Um, but uh, a lot of people still will go to her role as Tracy as kind of one of her defining moments on film um like it's really like that and lady holiday and the great muppet caper um but uh she just has this you know people will still cite tracy as one of the best bond girls especially because it's the girl that bond marries and she plays such a, a role that's so important to the bond lore even if the lore isn't always that important to bond it very much is like a legendary figure in bond's history and i think um as i mentioned in the bond girl episode i think diana rigg definitely brings kind of a, a, a an intellectualness and and just just a nice performance to to tracy that really kind of sells her relationship with with bond in that movie and and, and really helps to elevate the end of that movie and, and the tragedy that happens uh, but by all accounts she was just a generally sweet funny fun person to be around and fun love to act and love to be in in television and movies so uh definitely a, a larger loss uh in that and of course michael lonsdale French actor who uh, I think really makes an impact as Drax. It's just kind of the quiet performance that he gives in that movie. Mm -hmm. And again, I've I've gone to on record of saying that kind of middle more era of Spy Who Loved Me, Moonraker and For Your Eyes Only has kind of been some of my favorite stuff in Bond. And I think that one of the reasons is I think that uh, you know, Stromberg and Spy Who Loved Me isn't the greatest, but I think that that, uh, I think that uh, Michael Lonsdale in Moonraker makes an impact as kind of the villain and, and having the, the crazy villain plot. And it's just a memorable bow to um, Morris Bond. Of course, like one of the scenes we really liked in that movie is when, you know, Bond and, and uh, Drax are at uh, Drax's uh, estate and they're doing the hunting thing. And um, 
you know the whole scene of just like mm-hmm. Drax is going to secretly kill Bond and and blame it on like a, a, a you know a false shot or whatever, and then Bond kind of one ups him. But there's kind of a nice kind of back and forth that Moore and Lonsdale have in that movie, and I think that that Lonsdale just kind of gives just a classy Bond performance and makes himself one of the more memorable Bond villains. So both will be missed, and both definitely have left their legacies on the Bond franchise. One hundred percent. May they rest in peace. Um, some Godzilla stuff. Um, not too much. Um, and by not too much, just really one thing. Uh, Junkie XL talked about uh, composing for uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, nice. And basically nothing too much other than uh, just another uh, avid Godzilla fan, apparently. Just like uh, is very ex- was very excited to work on it. Uh, seemed to have gotten the job by just shooting the shit with uh, director Adam Wingard about it yeah. and talking about how he owns like a lot of the and he he specifies that I own a lot of the uh, original Japanese copies of a lot of the Godzilla films. Um so he kind of just like talks about it was fun to uh collaborate with Wingard and share the their love of Godzilla and um and uh, the, the the big story that everybody was joking about is that uh, Junkie XL wanted to get the biggest bass drums that he could possibly get. Like, uh, I think his quote is like, I think I need the biggest bass drum on the planet for this score. <laughs> I know the I know the guy and I know the guy who can do it. What do you think? And then the article says, as it turns out, uh, Hulkenborg, who is uh, his real name, was uh, not was not kidding. The man wanted an eight to 10-foot bass drum in diameter. The kind of instrument turned out to be impossible to make, but the film's team got its hand on the biggest bass drum possible. The composer was able to use the instrument to make an all-out soundtrack, and fans will be able to hear uh, Godzilla vs. Kong in its debut next year. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, it, it's it's always fun to hear that these guys are huge fans. I think that it yeah. this franchise has been very interesting in that it really has been led by fanboys to a certain degree, like varying degrees of very like I I think this the the, the monster verse is very underrated by like the the craft that goes into it. Like you know I I think that you know when you just look at the directors alone, everybody has their super unique like passion for it, like coming from different ways. Um, when you hear like people like Junkie XL or Bear McCreary talk about like how they're going to go about working on the score, um, and um, and then obviously when you get into the, the visual artists, um, you know, I, you know, it, maybe it doesn't mean too much other than to people like you and me, or maybe just to me primarily. But you know, it's cool. I, like you know, it's always fun to hear. Uh, it just makes sense to me that a, a guy who calls himself Junkie XL would be a Godzilla <laughs> fan. Like it, it just it just seems like it was meant to be. Yeah, yeah. But no, no I'm I definitely agree. excited for you know that to eventually come out. And, yeah. And 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 we'll enjoy it. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's it, it's funny. There's not. I, I am excited to. I, I'm finding myself, even though like I I shouldn't get too comfortable because there are no you know movies on the immediate horizon. But I am finding myself getting back into getting interested in like upcoming movie news again. Yeah. Um, maybe it's because we're hearing more about it, but um, you know, it's just you know that that would that would be fun. But dude, I, I'm for like you know when these movies come out, just put them in, just put them in the drive-in. Like yeah. I will go see these movies in drive-ins. Like I will. Like I'll do it. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and you could do so much cool stuff. Imagine like, oh, dude, could you imagine doing a drive-in double feature with the original King Kong versus Godzilla and then with Godzilla versus Kong? Come on. That's a layup. That's a layup. Come that is on. Absolute, you know you would go. Layup. You would go. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> um, anyway, is there anything else uh, that you I wanted know to talk about? Bonzilla, the, the Bonzilla fans, I know, have been clamoring for my thoughts on this. Oh, I, uh, go uh, ahead. I'm, I'm not. This will be a surprise to me. What's up? I, I was a big fan of the David Arquette documentary <laughs> I previously mentioned on this podcast. Uh, it was legitimately like a really good documentary and a really good story. And I highly recommend the rental. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, awesome. Also, that's great. I've been watching Clue a lot, the movie Clue. That's free all on the Amazon endings. Prime. All the different yes. endings. All three endings. Yeah. And uh, the Phineas and Ferb movie was really good. Yeah. That's what did it. I watch? I, I guess I should like if we're doing that. Um, well, you you said onward, so I mean, I was yeah, it was a while to... ago. I'm like, recently. I've been watching. I watched two documentaries. I watched Never Sleep Again, which is like the four hour um, Nightmare on Elm Street documentary, which is one of the best documentaries about movies I think yeah. I've ever seen. Um, I had seen it, but I I kind of put it on because I'm like I'm gonna watch like 45 minutes of it while I'm doing something, and then I ended up just watching all four hours. That's how it always goes. That's yeah. how I, I mean, I also just got my Blu-ray copy of Batman and Robin finally. And <laughs> it's that you're like, oh, I'm only going to watch this one scene. And then I, I just was like, I want to see this one scene of Poison Ivy. And I just watch all the scenes of Poison Ivy. Yeah. Um, the other one is, uh, I think it's called like Secrets of Crystal Lake. It's a, it's a um, uh, Friday 13th. Uh, it's the same thing where they go through every single movie. That's a six hour documentary. So that took me a couple of days to finish. But if you... If you guys have, and that's on Shutter, the network. Which, by the way, I've I've been maybe I'm getting ready for Halloween. I've been watching, as I call, a lot of spooks, like a lot of uh, a lot of spooky films. Um, yeah. I've been doing that on Shutter, so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of fun stuff on that. But those were the two like real fun things oh. that I watched recently. And last night I watched Bend It Like Beckham on Disney Plus. <laughs> I you know what I was on Disney Plus the other day and I and I saw that that was on there, and I was like, oh, okay. I mean, it's a 20th century. It's a Fox Searchlight film. Had you seen that movie before? Not, no, not before yesterday. What made you watch that? Because it was new on Disney Plus. <laughs> like, le- it was legitimately okay. It was new on Disney Plus. I'd kind of always been sort of interested in seeing it, and uh, Keira Knightley was in it. Right, young, uh, very yeah. young Keira Knightley. Well, in it. you got you say that, but it is the year before pirates comes out and when i talk about pirates i say very young kira knightley and pirates yeah even though like because it's funny because in, in like pirates you know she's young but she's still like there's like she plays it maturely enough like there's like a maturity dude that you kind of years later it blew my mind when i found out how old she was in that movie like but i had no idea she was like what was she like 19 no not 19 it was it was lower than that wasn't it how old was she in... i got it but I, what I will say about Bender like Beckham is like in comparison to Pirates of because Karen Knightley was seventeen years old in Pirates of the Caribbean one. Yeah, well, she definitely plays to her age in in Bender like Beckham. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I oh yeah, it's, it a, was, it's a fine movie. I've seen it, it before. Was a definitely, it kind of a throwback, but simultaneously, like it's funny that we still kind of need to make movies like this. 
about this about these subjects. <laughs> no, because... that was during the time. No, that was during the time period where that's wh- like everybody was doing that, especially what? with yeah. e- with a uh, you know uh, like um you know Indian like people. Yeah, because that was her. She was Indian, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah. Well, the d- director and writers are all. It's all like an Indian cast. Right. Group. Right. Well, so that was like the thing because we still well, needed I mean, to educate people on on that. So it was like you know, yeah. and, but it is funny because you go in and then you know it's it's exactly like. I'm Indian, but I want to do non-Indian things. And then the family's like, but you're Indian. And she's like, I know, but I want to play soccer. Yeah. And then I do feel that there's a, there's actually like, Oh, it's good. I'm just saying that is the movie. It is. Yeah. Yeah. No shame in that. No, it just is. (laughs) Also, Keira Knightley in the movie says there's nothing wrong with being a lesbian. And that is correct. Good. Good for her. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she's right, but yes, good for her. Um. So I think that's it. I think we're good. Um, yeah. I hope everybody enjoyed this one of us really, really just, just Shooting chatting it shit. out. Yeah, and then um, I hope that uh, audio-wise, everything turned out really well. There was really there was barely a speed bump here or there, but uh, from yeah. my end, everything sounded great. I um, I I can hear you. Yeah. Loud and clear, which is what I'm gonna I'm gonna saying that now and not the beginning. Of you know, podcast. when we were getting ready, I was gonna joke, but you were saying like I can hear. It's like I can hear you, and I, I always think of Last Jedi and Hux. I can hear you. Can you hear me? I've thought about this. <laughs> Could you imagine if we were supposed to get Rise of Skywalker in 2020, and then we had all this ramarole about it coming out? That would have been a bit a big deal. I Listen, think. like. Like Rise of Skywalker debate has come up at least three times during the pandemic, and I, well, I mean I haven't debated it at all. No, no, I know you haven't. I'm just saying the online sphere. I was like, yeah. but you're right because I remember when at first people started arguing about it again. I was like, this is the last thing humanity needs right now. Like we're already so divided. Do we need to bring up <laughs> Rise of Skywalker? <laughs> God. Oh we had a made God. a fourth marathon with Yasir with that in it. That's like crazy. That's crazy that that we did. Here. Yeah, that yeah that that was crazy. I I I still submit you, maybe you, too you soon. Didn't, you didn't stay for the Rise yeah. Of I had other stuff going on. It really and it wasn't anything about the movie itself. It, it was more just uh, other external factors that kind of kept I me stuck from it out from for better for worse. Yeah, like. I still submit it was probably too soon to massively watch that with people. I think the wounds are were too yeah. were too fresh uh, yeah. for for some people. So I don't think I, we I could think do we it. were. I mean, if there's one thing that we were fortunate about is that we weren't all in the same room together for it. Because yeah. I feel like I feel like that's because also also it's going to be at the end of the marathon when everybody's tired and full. I feel like doing it on Zoom was like the perfect means of of watching that movie. That movie that may have started all of this, honestly. That movie really broke society. I thought. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I think broke reality. maybe if it. I'm not saying that it is the cause of all the strife that we have in our country right now. Didn't help. But it didn't help. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, next time you hear from us, uh, you are going to um, hear us talk about the Anne Hathaway uh, kaiju movie Colossal. Um, yes which I'm looking forward to. So you'll, I'm excited. I'm excited. So you'll hear us about that. Um, anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Uh, you know, I hope you enjoyed hearing us again because we certainly I, – I can speak for myself. I had a great time. Yeah. 
We hope I you enjoyed just, hearing. I just, well, I just like talking to you. Do you know Aww. that? That's sweet. And now, so. and we still get to see each other. Because yeah. we're like, technically. You know, yeah, technically. I mean, you know, this has gone without a hitch. And technically, I think you have better internet than I do. So this all works out. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, like I said, we, we enjoy talking to you. And we enjoy you hearing Listeners. from yeah. us. So, all right. Well, uh, everybody, take care. Until next time, uh, I'm Will. I'm Nick. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.